Keyboard Kimura podcast is brought to you by OneBone. If you're a bigger guy like me, chances are you've had problems finding shirts and gear that fits properly. The length is there, the sleeves are too wide, and the fit is all boxy. The sleeves are good, the shirt is a little too short, meaning your belly or your butt sticks out, which nobody likes. OneBone is the answer. The gear is made of 95% cotton and 5% spandex, meaning you get a little stretch and it fits right in all the right places. There's length to cover your gut and your butt with a number of different designs, styles, and colors to give you a complete wardrobe of good-looking gear that makes you feel comfortable and stylish every day. And as a supporter of this podcast, OneBone is offering you 10% off your next purchase with the promo code ESK10. That's my initials, E-S-K, all capitals, and the number 10. Just go to their website, onebonebrand.com, check out all the gear, figure out your size with their terrific sizing guide, and get yourself into some fresh new gear this summer and become a part of the growing One Bone community. One Bone, the biggest brand. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Keyboard Gamora podcast. ESK here on a Monday morning, coming out of UFC 276, thinking about what to get into, and the thing that I... I haven't been able to stop thinking about since that event through taping the next day of takeaways yesterday with Harry through having a discussion with Scott Fontana and Dan Urban on the couchside judges is expectations when it comes to both events and competitors and how that colors the way we look at fights and fighters, how that has changed over the years of of my covering this sport, of my being tethered to this sport and, and deeply rooted in this sport, and why it's a concern for me, frankly. So let's start. Obviously, on paper, UFC 276, going into it, we all felt like this was the best card of the year so far, all the way up and down the lineup, great matchups, divisional ramifications or questions that were going to be answered of individual fighters all throughout the card. Just a a terrific lineup on paper. Everyone's excited for it. And then as Saturday plays out, as we get through some of these events, I feel like the prelims were, were pretty standard, were pretty solid. Like it didn't necessarily have the build of, say, a UFC 275 where it just felt like that momentum was rolling, but they were good fights and good performances, but it didn't quite get really snowball effect going. We didn't have that avalanche of momentum that we have at times that really takes an event like this to a different level. We finally get to the main card. We get the opener of Pedro Munoz and, and Sean O'Malley. And it just falls flat because it ends with a no contest because of an accidental eye poke just as we're starting to get into the thick of figuring some of this stuff out and seeing some of this fight play out. It gets stopped. It gets waved off. Obviously, anytime there is a a no contest verdict, as there was here, a fight stopped because of a foul and an injury. People are up in arms. People are disappointed. There's one side that wants to call Pedro Munoz a faker, which is crazy because he's never been stopped and he's never looked for a way out in a fight in his entire career. I've seen the conspiracy side, conspiracy theory side jump out this morning with, you know, the slow motion videos of this is how his eye got jacked up and he never poked him at all. 
of course, they show a punch landing, but never show the actual three stooges, two fingers in the eye, one in, e one in each eye kind of eye poke. And it just, it took the air out of, it took the wind out of the sails of this fight card, quite frankly, to start because that was one of those fights that we were looking to jump in on and looking to get that key result that we were w waiting on, whether it was O'Malley passing the toughest test of his career to date or Pedro Munoz proving that he was too tough of a test for Sean O'Malley at this point. And even though Brian Barberina and Robbie Lawler came out right after them and, and after, you know, about a minute of feeling each other out to start the fight, got down to got down to throwing hands and getting into a slobber knocker, it didn't quite elevate things back back to the level that we expected them to be at, back to where they would have been had we gotten some finality and some real sense of closure with that O'Malley Munoz fight. Alex Pajaya goes out and knocks out Sean Strickland in a fight again that as great as a knockout as it is, it just kind of felt a little bit like it like we could see it coming because of the way Strickland was fighting. And so as much as it's a terrific finish from the emerging middleweight and former kickboxing standout that really does set him in a position like that was a finish that sets up a championship fight and arguably a grudge match kind of rivalry that will be pretty easy to promote it still didn't feel like it had the gravitas of some of these knockouts it didn't have the weight of some of these knockouts or fill the rest of this card or fill social media's reaction to this card I guess with the kind of energy that you would expect a knockout of that magnitude with that much value to it going forward to maybe lift things up. We get to the co-main event. Alex Volkanovsky goes out and has an absolute masterclass against Max Holloway. And even that in a fight where the defending champion faces his chief rival and shows that he is a good step, step and a half, maybe even two steps better than him after coming in feeling like they were quite even and this was going to be a, a third really close fight, we don't get it and it just feels like because we didn't get the thing we wanted, there's disappointment and there's no way to necessarily fully appreciate what Volkanovsky did in that moment. Maybe we'll get there in the coming days as we sort of unwind from it and unpack from it and look back at what he did. But in the moment... It didn't feel like the kind of performance or it got the kind of, sent the kind of energy through the MMA community, both live at, at T-Mobile as I'm watching it, obviously here in Abbotsford, not in, not in Las Vegas. It didn't feel like the arena was really pumped up by it. And it didn't feel like social media was really pumped up by it all that much either. Then we get to the main event, Israel Adesanya. Defeats Jared Cannonier, uh, unanimous decision in a fight that is has earned some criticism from for the Izzy side of things for the way that he sort of I don't know if it's took his foot off the gas or or wouldn't chase down opportunities in the in the final two rounds and the championship rounds when it was pretty clear that he was the superior talent. Harry and I talked about it yesterday. At length, his position being, if you are that superior talent, I want to see you display that. I want to see you prove that time and again, which I fully understand. I'm more of a, 
hey, look, it's it's not necessarily just on Izzy to go out there and put himself in harm's way and put himself at risk. There's there's the Cannoneer side of this. He needs to do more. And if Cannoneer is pressing more and chasing more and hunting more, that opens opportunities up for Izzy, who be, who is a counter striker and is extremely dangerous in those spots. But if you don't give them to him, he's not always a guy that's going to create them for himself. But I think a lot of why that fight and why the reactions to that fight are muted and disappointed and feelings of, of frustration are because of the expectations that were set and that people carried going into it. So let's start with the, the expectations that were set. Israel comes out at the press conference and says... I want to be the guy that can headline these shows. I want to be a big star. I want to have those moments. This is what I live for kind of thing. And that sets an expectation. That sets a idea in people's minds that if he says he wants to be this thing and he's got this grand stage, then he's going to go out there and he's going to perform to what my expectation of that person is. So if somebody says they want to be a superstar, somebody says they want to be in the limelight, in the spotlight of an event like this, this is what I expect from them. I expect highlight reel finishes. I expect exciting fights. I expect attacking offense almost at all times, maybe even to their own detriment or, or putting themselves in harm's way, as I said earlier. And I understand why that expectation is set. Somebody says that it it certainly is one of those things that I, I can understand why people hear that and go and then see that fight and think, well, that's not what he said he wanted to deliver. I also think we've seen some of the highlights from Izzy's previous fights so many times, and there have been a couple of them that are just so memorable. The knockout of Robert Whitaker, the way he styled on Paulo Costa, the great things we've seen him do at times make those instances where he doesn't deliver to that lever, to that level, excuse me, harder to take. It makes it harder to digest because we know what he's capable of when he's put in the right positions to be that fighter. But the piece there for me, again, is that he's put in the positions to be that great fighter. The knockout of Whitaker is in part because Rob fought the way he did and created and presented openings for Israel to counter, and he did. Paulo Costa allowed Izzy to get off the way that he wanted to. God, that sounds terrible. I knew as soon as it came out of my mouth, it sounded terrible especially given the fact that Izzy humped him afterwards. But I digress. Costa presented him with chances to open up on offense because Israel didn't have to worry about anything else. He didn't have to worry about a takedown. He didn't have to worry about the speed or even necessarily the power because Costa seemed willing to just stand there and take the best shots that Israel had to offer. And it's those moments where we see the brilliance, those are the ones that crystallize in our minds as when this guy says he wants to be a showman and the star of the show, that's what we expect. Even though we've had several other instances of these kinds of fights, 
against this kind of guy in Jared Cannonier. We saw the way Israel's fight with Yoel Romero played out, and this was this was better than that, but I also understand why that fight went the way it did. But his fight with Anderson Silva was was a fairly tepid affair. And the fight with Marvin Vittori to me was similar to this, even you know, even lesser than this, because I think Israel did some good things in the first couple rounds. And then Cannoneer made some adjustments. Izzy couldn't really get away, get off with his strikes that he wanted to. And it just turned into, you know, a tough fourth and fifth round that that I get it. It's it's not the thing that people expected based on initial thoughts, based on what Israel said. And so there is this grand disappointment. And I get it. Again, always. I understand. I'm not... I'm not sitting here being somebody that is obtuse and can't see why people are disappointed by this effort, by the way this played out, and by, you know, the expectation being set and then not met. But the thing to me that I talked about on Saturday, that I talked about with Scott and Dan on Couchside Judges, that I'll again reiterate here, is that it feels to me like the expectations just constantly get bigger. There's no point where there's a satisfaction with with where things are. And so for someone like Izzy, we've seen those knockouts. We've seen those finishes. And people, to me, don't talk enough about we've seen the Kelvin Gastelum fight where he stands there at the start of the fifth round and says, not today, I'm ready to die. And goes out and and has a tremendous fifth round in a terrific fight against a guy that pushed him, that gave him opportunities, that stood in there and challenged him. And we saw what that produced. But there's just this constant desire for it to be better. There's no point where we're as good as it is, is good enough in my estimation, in in the way I look at these things. And I think at times we sort of tie a bunch of other stuff into these expectations, but also take away or kind of don't think them through at times. So we tie in, well, if he has that kind of walkout where it's all the pageantry and it's the undertaker and he's got the urn and all of these things, then he has to go out and have this performance that measures up to that entrance. And I just don't think, for me, that's not the way I think of it. That's not the way I don't necessarily equate those two things. The walkout is pageantry and spectacle and performance, and it's a moment where he can show his creative side before getting into the octagon. And maybe he's not going to be able to do that in the cage. So we get a little bit of it from him beforehand. It's not just generic Israel Adesanya walks to the cage. He always gives us something, and that's part of the show. That's part of what draws you in, but it felt coming away from it. Like people said, well, if he did that, why doesn't he measure up to that or reach that same standard when he gets in there? And to me, the answer is pretty straightforward. The walkout is choreographed, and there's no one trying to punch him in the face. Like, he gets to dictate every part of that walkout. There's no interruption. You get it down, and it's perfect. 
When you get in the cage, you have no idea how this is going to play out. You have no idea what Jared Cannonier feels like from a strength perspective. You have no idea how he's going to approach the fight. And so it's just this collection of variables that you cannot predict and forecast. And as much as we all hoped for a brilliant fight and a dynamic finish, it also didn't feel to me like we were going to get that going in. Because Jared Cannonier has been really good since moving to middleweight. And yes, he was knocked out in a couple of those fights up at light heavyweight. But one, it's up at light heavyweight. Two, it's against world-class fighters up at light heavyweight. And three, he didn't feel like a guy that was going to go in there and rush at Izzy and give him opportunities to counter. And so, again, while I get the disappointment, while I understand the feeling that Israel didn't live up to expectations and didn't meet expectations. I wonder if we're at a point where expectations have just kind of exceeded reasonable levels in a way. If they've got to a point where we're just constantly wanting more and demanding more from these athletes and from these cards than is actually possible, than is actually fair to demand of them. Because it doesn't seem to me like there is an appreciation for the great moments. There's just this feeling of, well, I didn't get the one I want. And I'll explain what I mean here. So we have that main event and it goes the way it goes. But before that, we had a co-main event where Alexander Volkanovsky delivers an absolute masterclass. A truly virtuoso performance against the clear second best fighter in that division a guy that he's got history with, a guy that all week we were looking forward to this fight and getting more and more hyped as they were bickering back and forth and we saw the backstage footage of them jawing at each other going out to the ceremonial weigh-ins and that. And Volko goes out and puts on this absolutely stunning effort where he shows he's continued to level up and he shows he's really separated himself from Max and everyone else in the division. And that performance doesn't carry enough weight to outweigh the disappointment of the Izzy result or of the Sean O'Malley result or of the overall, I guess, maybe disappointment from the card as a whole. And that's the part that's difficult to me or that, that makes me sort of think about these things. Because, and, and maybe it's a sequencing thing. We talked about this a bit on the preview show. We talked about it on, on social media. Maybe Max and Max and Volkanovsky probably should have been the main event because there's the history there, because there's the rivalry there that you can sell quite easily. It's real easy to stick the two of them on there with big Roman numeral three behind them as the selling point. And so maybe if those two fights are reversed and we get the Izzy fight and it goes the way it goes and everybody's a little deflated and then we move to Volkanovski and Holloway and the champ goes out and does what he does, there's a different feeling because we're, we're lifted up at the end of that event as opposed to having that come down. Maybe we come away from it differently. But for me, even having it in that, that co-main event spot as the penultimate fight of the night, the way that played out and the way that fight looked and the things that Volkanovsky did are enough to buoy me through 
the slowness of the Izzy fight or, or the letdown of the Izzy fight. And I think I'm an outlier in that. I think I am, I am again on my island solo in that. Because there was stuff earlier in the night that, that serves that same purpose, that lifts me to a position where no matter what else is happening, this has already been a pretty good card. And I just think that in terms of these, these events and in terms of these performances, the expectation is that it has to be all rise. It has to be Kendall Roy, all bangers all the time. And I mean, just like just like Kendall's birthday play mix and just like every every mixtape, it cannot be all rise all the time. It can't be banger after banger after banger. And when we set the expectation for ourselves that this is what we need, you're just always going to be disappointed. There's no way to not come away from that feeling disappointed because it's never going to be all bangers all the time. And when it is, we don't allow that to, to carry us the way that it should. We don't allow that to be a thing that lifts us. Those, we don't allow it to be the rising tide that, that raises all ships, right? It just becomes the like, well, that was great. Why can't it be like that forever and always? And that's the piece to me when it comes to cards that is really difficult to wrap my head around. And the reason I say that is because it doesn't work in reverse either. So when we have cards where expectations are really low and people go into the week or go into the weekend thinking, ah, this is just another one of those fight cards at the Apex with a whole bunch of nondescript fighters, unknown people up and down the lineup, it's not going to be much of anything or it's just going to be, you know, generic fight night at the Apex. They don't allow the, the fact that, that fights and, and performances kind of exceed expectations to be a thing that carries them. There's no like, oh, that was, you know, there's, yes, there will be the reaction of, well, that was better than I thought, but it doesn't, it doesn't carry weight going forward. It doesn't change any of the expectations. There's no, there's no radiating value to it. Like, the number of times people are pleasantly surprised doesn't allow them to, to drop some of their crazy expectations. It doesn't bring things back down to a balanced balance point where when they get to the next kind of underwhelming card or low key card, expectations are a little bit higher because the last two or three of these actually exceeded expectations. And I remember that I was ended up being quite satisfied sitting down and watching this card with a bunch of people I wasn't maybe necessarily as familiar with. And it doesn't work to where we get to a pay-per-view card that, that looks great and we go, you know, my expectation doesn't have to be at 15 out of 10. It can be at 9. It can be at 8. And so that part of it is always is always challenging to me because it feels like it is always just more. We always just want more out of these events, out of these athletes. And I think you can see it even when you look at individual competitors and the way we look at them when they're on the way up, when they, when they arrive, especially with prospects, right? Everything is rise, 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 big expectations, big hopes, big hype. 
And then the minute there's a stumble, you just see the mass exodus from the bandwagons. And it's very hard to get people back. Macy Barber, to me, has looked very good in her last two fights. But she is nowhere near the level of hype and buzz and people on the bandwagon as she was when she came into the UFC. And it was, I'm going to beat John Jones's record. And she's undefeated. And I get that, that losses, and, and a couple of them were bad losses. Make no mistake about it. The Alexa Grasso fight, she looked awful. The fight against Roxanne Modafari, she's getting pieced up early. She blows out her knee. It is what it is. And even if you want to say the Miranda Maverick fight and you want to hold a grudge against her for, for getting the decision, which isn't actually her fault. She went out and did what she was supposed to do. The judges scored it the way they did. Whatever. It's just, it's strange to me that earlier in her career, the expectation is that she's going to be a champion. And when she falls short of that early or shows she's not ready to be that early, everybody abandons ship. But when she starts making, when she comes back and when she starts making progress and showing progress, those people that abandon ship and that were all in early on don't come back around because it's just about their expectations. As soon as their expectation isn't met and as soon as it's no longer the big thing and the buzzed thing and the way they want it to be, they're out because there's someone else. Right in that division, there's all kinds of talented young athletes that are moving their way forward. And when Macy Barber stumbles, there's Miranda Maverick to get on, on board with. And when Miranda Maverick stumbles, there's Aaron Blanchfield. And before Aaron Blanchfield, there's King Casey O'Neill putting together a winning streak at 24 years old to burst into the top 10. And so there's no need to go back to the, the original kind of person that, that elevated those expectations because, hey, they didn't meet them, so I'm done with them. And it just feels to me like we tend to set unrealistic expectations for athletes and events more often than we set real ones and more often than we allow ourselves to revise them and to make adjustments as we go and to let events things that happen, not fight cards, dictate and influence how we adjust those expectations. I want to take it outside of an MMA context to really kind of cement this. So if I have all of these, I have all of these experiences with my family where, let's say, several years in a row, Christmas goes not the way I expect it to be, kind of a shit show, kind of things all over the place. This person fights with that person. Somebody else fights with somebody else. Somebody has a bit too much to drink. Somebody doesn't show up because something's going on. Bunch of people are disappointed. The meal doesn't turn out. Whatever the case may be. I don't go to that next Christmas and lead into that next Christmas hoping and expecting that it's going to be this wonderful thing that plays out with no problems and no issues and no fights and nobody getting into the booze too much. Because the history shows me that that's just, just an unrealistic expectation. Things are going to go sideways. The potatoes are going to be lumpy. The turkey's going to be overcooked. 
Somebody's going to get mad at somebody else. And so I scale back the way I think about it. I get to, well, look, if I can make sure the meal's good and everything on that end of it comes out right, the rest of it is, is just what it is because it's going to go how it's going to go. And I think that's the thing I would like to see more of with MMA is just that recognition of, of what has come before to sort of change the way we look at things. As I said a little earlier, we've seen those low-key cards that deliver and people on social media get mad when dudes like me jump out and say like, look, this is one of those cards that nobody's talking about, but it's got a really good chance of being an entertaining action-packed card. And they, oh, everybody says it all the time. Well, we say it all the time because more often than not, these cards actually show us that that is true. And so I've adjusted my expectations for those events. And again, as always, I understand that I'm outlier of outliers. I am excited more than anybody else. I get hyped and follow more of these athletes than anyone else. But I also pay attention to the data. I also pay attention to precedent. And so it's not just that I'm an absolute optimist. It's that I've seen time and again, events like this one that's coming up on Saturday where there's going to be people saying there's no one on this card and none of these fights matter, end up being really entertaining fight cards that at the end of the day, as somebody that wants to watch fights and wants to enjoy the combative element of this and the competition of this, they're showing me that I get it. So why wouldn't I change my expectation to be a little more excited about this one and be a little more heightened at this one? And what I think it is, and, and I've thought this for a few different things throughout this industry and the way that we talk about fights and events and athletes, is that I think people are just so afraid to be disappointed and so afraid to be wrong or so afraid to be let down. Which is really weird because there's so many times that people come away from these fights and these events voicing the fact that they feel let down. It's like, it's almost like to go back to the Christmas analogy, right? It's almost like everybody goes into it expecting it to be this perfect thing. And when it's not, they're somehow let down. But there's no, there's no adjustments. There's no changing of those expectations based on circumstance, based on evidence, based on history. It's just all more. It's just always the next is going to be best and I need more and I want more and I expect it to be A plus and when it's not and it's only, let's say, a B plus, I get that that's not good enough, but it's still pretty damn good. And yet we come away from it most of the time Feeling like we do, feeling like people did on on Saturday evening, Sunday morning about UFC 276. On the whole, I think it was a pretty good card. I'm not going to give it a letter grade or a number grade or anything like that, but it was a pretty solid card. We had some finishes. We had some good performances. Some young fighters showed us a few things. Yes, there were some disappointing moments. Yes, there were some fights that didn't quite deliver the way we thought they would. But on the whole, there was a lot of positive. There was a lot to enjoy about that card. And yet it feels like 
everybody is just disappointed. And the only thing people are fixating on and talking about is the fact that Israel Adesanya didn't meet their expectations and didn't meet the standard that he seemingly set for himself or presented for himself going into that fight. And so I just wonder if maybe we need to pull back a little and look at the way, look at the expectations we have for these cards, for these athletes, and the way we reframe those and the way we reshape those based on what we see. Because I really do believe we are in the golden age of MMA. I think it has never been better than it is right now. I think on the whole, UFC events this year in particular have been excellent. Um, There haven't been many cards that have felt like real letdowns, real true slog of event that was hard to get through. There's been a couple, but it's, it's fewer and further between. To me, it feels than than recent years. Obviously, I think coming out of the pandemic and people being healthier and cards staying together is is better for that and certainly played a part in that. But I think we are just in a situation where the expectations are always for more. The expectations are always for the next evolution, the next big thing. I need more than what I just got. And that's so difficult to meet and reach and and deliver because that bar just keeps getting set higher and higher and higher. It just keeps getting moved further up to where great isn't good enough. And it has to be outstanding at all times. And that's just so difficult to hit. And it just sets it just sets everybody up for disappointment. It puts you in a position where if it's not the best thing ever, you're going to be disappointed. There's a great line. And I'll wrap up with this. There's a great line. The Jerry Seinfeld Netflix show, comedians in cars getting coffee, sitting with one of his good friends, Brian Regan. And they're talking about going to the movies and critics and stuff like that. And he said, what is it? One of them says, you know, like, well, I wasn't blown away. And they have a laugh that that's the new measure. That's the new standard is, well, I wasn't blown away. And I've written about this before and I've talked about it before probably. But that's what it feels like is that if people don't come out from it thinking this was the best thing I've ever been at. And I was absolutely floored by what I just saw. Then it's not good enough. There's no more appreciation for that was a good show that exceeded my expectations that weren't necessarily that high to begin with. It's just we go into them with expectations really, truly high. And if we're not blown away by it, we come away and go, well, that was no good. Well, that guy needs to do more. And I just don't think there's a way for that to work long term. I don't think there's a way for that to be a thing that people continue to carry going forward. Because at some point, those goalposts just get moved too far back that you're never going to reach them. That bar gets set too high, so high that it's just impossible to hit. 
right? We've seen it in the evolution of these pay-per-view cards. As I said, I think last week or in previous shows, I remember when it didn't have to be a title fight atop a pay-per-view card. And then it became it had to be a title fight. And then it became it had to be two. And now we're at a point where two sometimes doesn't feel like enough because we're so used to two. And so if we're so used to two that we want three or we want two and another great fight that maybe it's a five-round fight, where does it stop? Where do we stop saying more, 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 more? Where do we stop elevating those expectations? Because the higher we set him, set them, the steeper a fall it is, the greater a distance it is to, to potentially miss meeting those expectations, the harder it is to meet those expectations because that bar is set so high. And I'm all for high standards, but I'm also for realistic standards. I'm also for realistic expectations. And I think right now, what we see more often than not is unrealistic expectations not being reached and that being held against the athletes and the events. We're setting the bar too high. We're expecting too much all the time to where we're actually not appreciating some of the greatness that we're seeing. We're actually not appreciating the really great fights and the really great performances because it's not a card full of them, because it's not week after week of really great performances and really great events in total. It feels like we want fight of the night after fight of the night after fight of the year after knockout of the year. And that's just unrealistic. That is just an unreal expectation to put on these athletes and these fight cards and these promoters to deliver that every single weekend. I understand that the Israel Adesanya fight wasn't as exciting as people wanted it to be. It didn't play out the way that people hoped it would, that Izzy didn't finish and chase down and, and really truly deliver the dynamic effort that he said, he set that expectation on, on Thursday at the press conference. So I get it. But I also know that there are lots of times that these athletes set expectations and nobody holds them to it. Nobody goes out there and says, hey, you said that you wanted to knock this guy out in the first round and then you didn't throw any. Because we know, we understand some of that is bluster. Some of that is bravado. Some of that is, is selling a fight and selling an idea. We have to find a way to manage these expectations and manage what we expect from people and events. Because if we keep setting this bar and we keep holding certain people to these unreasonable standards and these unreachable targets, all we're doing is setting ourselves up to be disappointed every Saturday. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go into every Saturday night or come out of every Saturday night for that matter, feeling let down. I want to come out of it feeling lifted up, feeling like I enjoyed the six hours I sat there and watched these, these performances. Even if there were some fights that didn't fully deliver the way that I had hoped they would or the kind of action that I anticipated from that fight. 
And maybe that's me constantly looking at the good and taking the positive from a card that has both positive and negative. But I mean, for me, that's the way I have to do it because it's the way I'm wired. It's the, it's the way I need to be to be able to be successful in my life, in my day to day. And I just think that we are spending so much time being disappointed and let down by things when we have the greatest skill level and the greatest overall talent in the UFC right now that we've ever had, that it just seems misguided to me. It just seems unnecessary to me. I get everybody has expectations. I, I really do. But I think they need to be reined in a little. I think we're, we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed. And I don't want people to be disappointed every Saturday night. I don't want great performances to go unrecognized because one or two performances that didn't meet those, those wild expectations sucked all of the, the joy and all of the energy out of an event. We got to rethink the standard that we're holding these people to week in and week out because it just feels like we keep asking for more, more, more and we're not, we're not satisfied and we're not happy with the excellence we're given on a weekly basis.